This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Well, good morning. How you guys doing? Come on, you guys are a lame group this morning. Let me hear you guys. Come on, New Year starting. What's up? That's right, that's right. Okay, you guys are like the faithful group, the ones that come when New Year's Eve is like two days from now and you just had all your family in from Christmas and everybody wants to sleep in and they're just relaxing at home, but you guys are hardcore because you're here this morning. But anyways, see, we brought out the big guns this week, Kelly Dan leading worship, I'm going to be preaching today, you know, girl power is what's happening this morning. So I'm glad that you guys are here because this morning I'm going to be talking about perspective. Everybody say perspective. See, perspective is something that is really huge that shapes how we view our life and and how we see things that are happening in our life right now. And see, when I was younger, when I was about 13, I had a horrible perspective on fashion. And I wish somebody would have told me different because I'm going to just show you a quick view of my perspective of fashion when I was 13. Yeah, exactly. So I wish somebody would have told me when I was 13 years old that that was not fashionable. But I think that's when TJ fell in love with me. Because, you know, when we met when we were 11 and then, like, I pulled this dress out. I think my mom probably handmade it. And he was like, that is hot. <laughs> He's like, that is the girl I'm going to marry. And so perspective, you know, it is all about perspective in life. And as I was studying for this message, I found this story. And it says, dear mom and dad, since I left for college, I have been remiss in writing. And I'm sorry for the thoughtlessness and not having written before. I will bring you up to date now. But, as, but before you read on, please sit down. You are not to read any further unless you're sitting down, okay? Well then, I'm getting along pretty well now. The skull fracture and the concussion I got when I jumped out of the window of my dorm when it caught fire shortly after my arrival here is pretty well healed now. I only spent two weeks in the hospital and now I can see almost normally and only get those sick headaches once a day. Fortunately, the fire in the dormitory and my jump were witnessed by the attendant at the gas station near the dorm. And he was the one that called the fire department and the ambulance. He also visited me in the hospital. And since I had nowhere to live because the burned out dormitory, he was kind enough to invite me to share his apartment with him. It's really a basement apartment, but it's kind of cute. He is a very fine boy and we have fallen deeply in love and are planning on getting married. We haven't gotten the exact date yet, but it will It will be before my pregnancy begins to show. Yes, mom and dad, I am pregnant. I know how much you are looking forward to being grandparents, and I know that you will welcome the baby and give it the same love and devotion and tender care that you gave me when I was a child. The reason for the delay in our marriage is that my boyfriend has a minor infection, which prevents us from passing our premarital blood test, and I have carelessly caught it from him. I know that you will welcome him into our family with open arms. He is kind, and although he is of a different race and religion than ours, I know your often expressed tolerance will permit you not to be bothered by that. Now that I've brought you up to date, I want to tell you that there's no dormitory fire. I didn't have a concussion or a skull fracture. I was not in the hospital. I'm not pregnant. I'm not engaged. I'm not infected, and there's no boyfriend in my life. However, I am getting a D in calculus and an F in chemistry, and I wanted you to see those marks in their proper perspective your loving daughter, Susie. See, in life, it is all about perspective. 
And how we view things in our life and how we view our circumstances is based on our perception of where we're at. And I just want to kind of give you a perspective. Today we're going to talk through the first chapter of Philippians. And I just want to kind of give you some context of the book of Philippians and who is writing it. And basically it's written by Paul. And he is an apostle that's sent out by God and basically to raise up leaders and plant churches. And so Paul is going all over the place and he's doing this. And he plants this church in Philippi in about 52 AD, which is 20 years after the death and resurrection of Christ. And so basically, Paul plants this church, and then about 10 years later, he starts writing this letter. And this letter is just out of this deep, sincere appreciation for this church in Philippi. Because you see, what has happened is Paul's in this really bad spot in life. And the church in Philippi has recognized how bad things are. And they go and they take up this offering for him. And they're like, you know what, we're going to help Paul. So they take up this offering. And Paul has always prided himself on never taking anything from the church. He's like, no, 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 no. He's got this pride. He's like, I'm not a burden on you guys. I don't want to take anything from you. So when they bring him this offering, he doesn't know what to do. And he just loves this church so much that he just decides to accept the offering. And so he's writing this book in Philippians just out of this extreme joy for this church and this sincere thankfulness of what they've done for him. And so in Philippians, we're looking at just Paul's journey of, of coming through some of the circumstances and the difficulty in his life. And I don't know about you guys, but are there situations where maybe you run into somebody and they are just mean and nasty and they are stuck up and you just can't stand them? How many of you guys know that person? If they're sitting next to you, please don't be elbowing them or, you know, whatever. That's rude. Anyways, but sometimes we see these people and we see how mean and arrogant and rude they are sometimes. But then we get to know a little bit about them. And you know what? Sometimes they've been through a lot. They've been through this major hurt or this major tragedy. And what happens when we find out the information about that person is it begins to change our perspective on how we view them. You know, maybe for you, maybe it's you're driving in the car on the way to work and then your car overheats and then you're late to work and your meeting gets canceled and there's all this junk going on and you're just like, oh, can I get a break? I just don't get this. Woe is me. My life stinks right now. And you get to work and then somebody else comes in and you know what? Their daughter was just in a car accident and they don't think she's going to live. And what happens to your situation? It changes what? Perspective. Exactly. See, so we're talking about this idea of perspective, and today I want to give you a little piece of information that just might change your perspective on how you view this book of Philippians that Paul is writing. See, the book of Philippians is just full of this overwhelming theme of joy. And Paul is writing this book, and he's actually writing this joy-filled letter from prison. The dude is locked up, and he's writing this letter that is full of joy. Acts 28 actually shows us that he spent two years in prison. Two years locked up, chained to a Roman soldier for 24 hours a day. He's locked up. And you know what Paul's greatest dream was? It was to go to Rome and to preach the gospel. And he is chained up in Rome, and he expected to go as a preacher, but now he's a prisoner. And so we're seeing how Paul, what his situation looks like, and we're going to watch how God can change our perspective Based on, not based on our circumstances, and see what joy that he can bring, even in some of the worst situations. 
And you're going to start in verse 2 of Philippians chapter 1. And my prayer today is that God would give you guys a different perspective on your situation, on where you're at in life. Okay, so verse 2, it says, Grace and peace from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's talking to the Philippians, and he's like, I thank God every time I remember you and all of my prayers for all of you. I always pray with what? With joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion to the day of Christ. You see, he's encouraging this people. He's in jail, and he's looking at it saying, look, God's going to do something incredible. And he says, it's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart for whether I am, what? Whether I am in chains, if I am a prisoner or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. He's saying, even if I'm in chains, it doesn't matter where I'm at. It doesn't matter what's happening, but I know that God is going to do something. And if there's anything that Paul wanted to change at this moment, it would probably be the fact that he was in Rome and he'd rather be a preacher than a prisoner. And I want to ask you guys a question this morning. And I would love it if you guys could just be honest with yourself about this. And how many of you right now have something in your life that you wish were different? Most of us. You know what, maybe it's that you're young and you wish you were old, or you're old and wish you were young. We're pretty much never satisfied in that. Maybe it's that... You have a job and you're surrounded by idiots and you just wish you could get away from them and it's just annoying the heck out of you and you know what, you wish your situation was different. Maybe it's that you're not married and you want to be married or you're married and you want to be married to somebody else or maybe it's that you have kids and you want other kids or maybe you want your kids to behave differently. But you know what, all of us have something in our life that we would like to be different. Something in our life that we would like to change. And I want to give you three thoughts to write down today. The first one is this. We all have a what and don't understand the why. You guys get that? There's a what going on in my life and I don't understand why it's not different. God, why Aren't things different in my life? Why am I going through this? I don't deserve this. Why are these circumstances in my life? God, I don't understand. And there's different seasons in our life where we're continuing to say, God, there's this what in my life, but I don't know why, and I can't figure this out. But I want to encourage you guys, and write this down. Remember that God always has a why behind the what. I love that. God always has a why. See, I serve a God that doesn't waste any single hurt. He doesn't waste anything because in the most desperate of circumstances, the circumstances where we cannot see any hope, God says, I have a plan. I know exactly what I want to do. I know what it looks like. I know what you're going through, but I have a plan. And see, God can take something that seems so insurmountable in our life, and he can turn it into something incredible. You know, years ago, TJ and I went through this time in our life where so many different things were happening. This was probably about 10 years ago. And one of those circumstances was that we had to drive TJ's parents to federal prison. They were straight up thug. Just kidding, they weren't. No, they... <laughs> it would have been funny, though. They... They made a lot of money in their lifetime. 
And see, the thing with that money is you have to pay taxes on that money. Well, they neglected to pay taxes on this insane amount of money that they make. And how many of you guys know that the government is not fond of you paying your ta- not paying your taxes? Okay, so they neglected to pay their taxes, and we end up, TJ and I, driving them to federal prison. His mom is in a women's prison for six months, and his stepdad is in a male prison. And the two of them are separated. And see, leading up to this, you could look at their circumstance and you could think they have it all. They've got the money, the houses, the cars, everything looks good. But on the outside, it looked great. But their marriage was crumbling. Their family was crumbling. They had so much stress in their life that they couldn't even handle it. And then they're sitting here going, what? I'm going to prison? I mean, how many people do you know that go to prison? Not many. So they're going to prison. And you could look at it and you can say, God, why? What are you going to do through this? How can anything good come out of this? And let me tell you something. That was the best six months of their life. Because God restored things that he could have never restored outside of that. God did things in their life. He restored their marriage. He restored their family. He restored their hope in in God. He built that relationship again. And you know what? Without that, I don't know where they would be right now. And they would tell you that that was the best thing that ever happened to them because they have so much more quality of life now than they ever did with millions of dollars. And you know what? It does not matter what our circumstances are. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I don't have to understand the why to trust God in the what. See, Proverbs says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. See, I don't have to understand what I'm going through right now. I don't have to try to figure it out, but what I have to do is trust God. I don't have to understand why these things are happening to trust God and what he wants to do in my life. And I want to give you two questions to ask when life gets hard. And when you're facing circumstances and things that you don't know how to deal with, and your first instinct is going to say, why? Your first instinct is going to be like, why is this happening to me? I don't understand. But I want to encourage you just to skip over the why. And I want to, I want to encourage you to ask what. I want you to say, God, now what? Because I know that there's things happening in my life, but God, what do you want to do through me? What do you want to do in me? In the middle of these circumstances where I can't figure out why, God, what do you want to do? And in verse 12, we see Paul um, bringing this to the Philippians, and, and he says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me. Just pause there for a minute, and I want to ask you guys, what's happened to you? I mean, not what did you do, but what has happened to you? Maybe it's that you lost a job, or maybe you're struggling in your job. Maybe it's that your marriage is crumbling and you have no idea how it got there. Maybe it's that relationally things are just falling apart around you and your family is jacked up and you just don't know what else to do. Maybe there's just some really busted relationships in your life, or maybe financially you're struggling so bad that you can't even see the way out. Maybe you have a cat that had tons of kittens and you just can't figure out what to do now. I don't know. Maybe that's somebody out there. 
Anyways, so something has happened to you that you didn't plan, and here's what Paul says. He says, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me. He's like, dude, I know it looks bad. I know it looks like nothing good can come out of this. He says, but what it really served to do is to advance the gospel. And that word advance there is a military term that means to move forward. And Paul's saying, look, I know what this looks like, and I know what these circumstances, I'm in jail, but hey, here's what it accomplished. Here's what God is doing in my life is it's advancing the gospel. And that word advance many times means for these, these soldiers to go and just to clear out this brush so that people can move forward and advance and to take over the enemy. And he's saying, I know that I'm in chains, but what this has done is advance the gospel. And, you know, some of you might, might look at this and you might say, uh, Paul, you're in chains because you're preaching about Christ, not because you're preaching for Christ. Basically, they're saying you're in chains for Christ. And, and Paul's saying, wait, 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 you don't know this because you don't know who I'm chained to. Because I am chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. And they change that guard every six hours. And so you know who my captive audience is? The most influential people in Rome. Because those imperial guards are the influential people that are making a difference out in that community, and that's who they're chaining me to. So you know what? I know you have me in chains, but guess who I'm chained to? And who do you think the prisoner is now? Exactly. Verse 14. Because of my chains, he's like, hey, I'm here, I'm locked up. But most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more freely and more fearlessly. He's like, man, God is all over this thing. God has this taken care of. I don't have to worry about all this stuff. He is all over it. And maybe one of you guys woke up this morning, and you know what? Maybe it's the fact that you've wanted to be married for a long time, and you're not yet. And I wanted to encourage you guys to ask God, now what? What do you want me to do? You know what? I know life isn't how I thought it would be, but, but now what? What do you want to do through me? You know what? Maybe you woke up and you're in financial ruin and things just aren't how, how you thought that they would turn out. You're in debt up to your eyeballs and you just don't understand. You're saying, God, I trust you with a why, but what do you want to do? Maybe relationally things are falling apart. And you can't even see your way out. You don't know how things got to where they are right now. And you need to stop and you need to say, God, I trust you. But now what? What do you want me to do in the middle of this? What do you want to do through me? And the second question we need to ask is, so what? And basically, right here, there's some division in the church, and Paul wants to address it in verse 15, and he talks about it. And he said, It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. He said, The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel, but the former, they preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me when I'm in chains freaking troublemakers. Verse 18, but what does it matter? The most important thing is that in every way, whether from false motive or true, Christ is preached. 
That is the most important thing. He's saying, you know what? I could get all riled up about these people talking crap or doing things the wrong way. I can go gossip about them. I can write a blog about them. I can talk about them. I can do whatever I want about it. But you know what? What does it matter? He's saying it doesn't matter. What really matters is that Christ is being preached. I don't care what they're talking about, if they have the right motive or not. Christ is being preached. And you know, sometimes we get to this place in life where everything's messed up or we're in our circumstances and we just can't see our way out. And we have to look at it and we have to say, you know what, so what? What does it matter? There's a, the Greek translation of this is tis gar plen. Everybody say that. Tis gar plen. Tis gar plen. What does it matter? What does it matter when I'm going through these circumstances? And I, I think to myself sometimes when, when I'm going through something rough, I, I say, Shayla, what's it going to matter 100 years from now? What's it going to matter a year from now? Are we even going to care about it a month from now? Tisk our plants. So what? So we have temporary circumstances. So we're dealing with stuff in our life right now. But what does it matter in the scope of eternity? What does it matter down the road? What does God want to do in you right now? So the president interrupts your favorite TV show. Tiskarplin. You're running late and a train slows you down. What is it going to matter in a hundred years? Tiskarplin. You spill something on your favorite outfit. I really hate that, but Tiskarplin. It doesn't matter. So what? And when you identify that it's not that big of a deal, it's easier to focus on the things that do matter. And I want to encourage you guys to look at your circumstances today. And I know sometimes they seem hopeless and, and we can't figure out what to do. But I want to say, I want to ask you guys down the road, a hundred years from now, a year from now, a month from now, are you going to look back and say, why did I worry about that? I think so many of us just need to look at it and say, so what? What does it matter? What does this matter right now? And when you identify that it's not that big of a deal, it begins to change our perspective on how we see the situation. We begin to look at things through different eyes and change the way that we look at things. You see, when we get our focus off the things that aren't a big deal, that don't matter, we can focus on the things that do matter. And what does matter is eternity. What does matter is serving other people. What does matter is using the gifts and the talents and the abilities that God placed inside of you to do something. And I think too many people are focused on the woe is me and what's happening in my life now instead of saying, God, what have you, what have you given me? How can I make a difference in somebody else's life? How can I get outside of my circumstances and make a difference for somebody else that maybe they aren't in the best of places and my situation's even better than theirs? And so Paul says one of the most stunning statements that anybody has, I think, ever made in history. And that's in verse 21. He says, for me to live is Christ. In other words, if I continue living and I represent Christ, then my life is not my own. He's saying, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And in this Roman prison, 
Paul's basically sitting there awaiting to find out if he's going to be sentenced to an execution. And he's looking at it and he's saying, you know what? For me to live as Christ, you know what? I served God. I'm doing everything that I can do. But to die is that I can be in his presence. And that puts so much perspective into things. Because God's saying, or Paul is saying, that you know what? It doesn't matter what we're going through. Because eternity matters. And the good news is, is that God always has a why behind the what. And it doesn't matter what you're dealing with in your life. There's a purpose. There's a reason. And some of you guys are facing some things that, you know what, maybe they are really insurmountable. And you don't know how to deal with it. And God's just asking you to trust him. He's, he's saying, don't try to figure it out. Stop asking why. And start asking what. Start saying, God, what do you want to do in me? How do you want to use me? This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv.